that we take very seriously is our call to pray for one another here at Grace Church. And so if you have a prayer request, if you're joining us online, please feel free to type it into the chat. If you are here with us in person, please feel free to fill out a prayer card. Let us know how we can support you. Drop it in our uh, offering buckets or in our green prayer box at the side of the room. We lift those up, not just in this service, but on Tuesday evening, Sister Brandy lifts them up in a live stream. And on Thursday mornings at 8 a.m., Pastor Jimmy lifts them up in our live stream um, because we know how important it is and the power that prayer can hold. So let us pray for one another and with one another this morning. Would you join me? Gracious God, we thank you for being a part of this worship service. God, we invite you in to this time and place. May this be a sacred time and place for us where we may hear your voice, where we may see you clearly, where we may know your will in our lives, God, as we seek to build your kingdom here on earth. We lift up those who are in need of prayer, those who have spoken them out loud, those who have let us know, and those who hold them close to their heart where the grief is just too much, God. Thank you that you hold those people close to your hearts, that you hear those prayers. Lord, so we pray that you would be with us now, that you would lead, guide, and direct us as we continue to worship you this morning and to be your hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We have something new today. As they are coming up, I'm going to explain to our parents. So instead of, normally y'all come up here and you do a children's time and then you'll go back and sit with your parents. After this though, you actually have the option of going back to the children's wing to have a very cool children's time. It's going to be awesome. They have a very fun thing planned today. Okay, so I have a question for you guys. How many of y'all are starting school very soon? Yep. Yeah. Next week, this week, some of y'all next week, yes. Anybody started already? I know Athens has started back already. I know, they start a little early. So, our... You have Meet the Teacher on what day? I Meet the Teacher on Tuesday. On Tuesday, you get to go see your teacher. Okay, so tell me something. Have y'all ever been nervous to start at a new school or a new class? Raise, raise your hand if you've ever been a little scared or a little nervous. Yeah. I have been. Okay, well, how about what's something else that you've been afraid of? If not the start of school, have you ever been afraid of something? What's something that's sometimes scary to you? Or y'all are just so brave, there's no scary things in their lives. They're just super brave today. Living, living can be scary sometimes. Yes. What else? Oh, yes, that can be a sad time, huh? What else, Deb? What you got? Scared of monsters. Monsters. Okay. So now this this part might surprise you, but I have a question for the grown-ups. Grown-ups, how many of y'all have ever been nervous to start a new thing, a new school or a new job, or you've been nervous to meet new people or scared of monsters, scared of the dark, right? Okay. Did you know that adults have gotten scared too? Is that kind of crazy? Well, part of our scripture today talks about how the things that we go through, sometimes everybody else does too. So we're not alone in being afraid. But what can we do when we start to get scared? What's something that y'all do that makes you feel better when you get scared? You can what? Pray. Yeah, we can talk to God. Absolutely. What else? Breathe, calm down. Breathe and calm down. Those are very smart things. Yeah. What else? What else? Read a book. 
Read a book. Yeah, don't think about it. Read the good book, right? What else? Play dead. Play dead. That's a new that's a new coping mechanism I had not heard of before, but I guess possums do it. So, you know, why not? Um, play possum. All right, guys. So our scripture verse today also says that, like Kaylee said, we can cast our cares on the Lord, that we can give our worries and our cares over to God, no matter what it is that we're scared of. So will you guys pray with me before we head to Children's Church? All right. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Put your hands together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you for helping us, even when we're scared. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, y'all can head on to Children's Church with Miss Tina. She's waiting right at the back. Let's pray. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, may our hearts and our minds be open that as these scriptures are read and the word proclaimed, we might receive with joy what you have to say to us today. Amen. Well, we are reading the final bit of 1 Peter. Uh, this is 1 Peter 5, five chapters in the letter, and we are in chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. I believe we have this on the screen if you want to follow along. Listen to what Peter has to say in his final words. Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And welcome home. I love the fact that we say that. I, I mentioned this morning, you know, when, when visitors come in, we say, welcome home. We've been waiting for you. Great. That is a great thing to say. This is a home, right? Uh, you know, we have been talking about uh, 1 Peter as, uh, as a body. We've been looking at what 1 Peter had to say 2,000 years ago to uh, a bunch of Gentile Christians, really kind of stuck or living in, in Roman provinces, kind of dealing with uh, what that looks like when you start following the way of Jesus and it doesn't look like the way everybody else is living and kind of the backlash that comes from that. Have you all uh, enjoyed this? First Peter, oh, kind of yeah. looking through it. I, I feel somewhat connected. I don't know that I've spent this much time in First Peter before. 
And I feel connected to Peter and these folks. I'm going to actually kind of miss them a little bit, you know. Uh, even though we're so far removed from them, I feel like the things that he been, he's been saying to them has application for us. Now, we've taken away some great lessons so far. I kind of wanted to recap these because I was thinking about, well, what have we talked about so far? What is applicable for us? The first thing that we've learned, I think, is that life is just plain hard sometimes, right? I mean, we already know that, but it just kind of reiterates. Life comes with trials. Life comes with tribulations. Life comes with suffering. And this is something that we see across time. It's the dawn of humanity, right? Everybody has suffered. And if you haven't suffered, just hang on because it will come at some point. And bless you that you haven't had suffering yet. But it's a part of life. It's going to come. Especially, I think, what Peter is kind of telling us here is if you choose to follow the way of Jesus, it's going to look different than the world. And so you may receive some backlash for that, some persecution, right? That's just part of the deal. You follow Jesus and you're going to receive something, uh, you know, something that's hard in that. Second thing I think that we've learned is that in light of these tribulations, in light of our suffering, we are challenged to live as a holy people, as a people who have been called and set apart for God's good work in the world, right? God knows that we suffer, and he says, even though you're suffering, this is what I want you to do. Suffering does not get you a get-out-of-holiness uh, 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 card, right? We don't get that just because you're in pain. It's because of our pain that we keep pushing forward. Why? Peter says, well, number one, the world is watching. The world is watching, and chances are they're going to be curious, and they're going to ask you, what is it that keeps you going? in this world. Number two, because God promises to be with us, especially in the midst of our suffering. God says, I am there with you. I am strengthening you. Okay. Number three, and we talked about this last week, because time is short, right? We have limited time to pull this thing off, to live as a holy people. So there you go. Live out your holy calling in the midst of everything that's going on. And then the third thing, and, and maybe this is uh, the most important thing, I think, uh, we have learned that holy living is not surfacey kind of stuff, right? It's not the stuff that we like to make it be about. I was watching some videos on TikTok the other day, pastors saying, you know, look, if you've got facial hair in my congregation, you're not living a holy life. And I thought that's just not what Peter's saying here. Right? He's not talking about the stuff you eat, the stuff you drink, the clothes you wear. That's all surfacey stuff. He's talking about deep stuff that takes real concentration. It takes practice. It takes intentionality. He's talking about stuff like loving one another with all that you've got. He's talking about hospitality, service, humility, forgiveness, showing grace, returning insult with gentleness. This is not easy stuff that Peter is talking about here, right? But we like to revert to the easy stuff. Yeah, I, I, I can uh, wear a certain type of clothing and then, hey, I'm, I'm in the holiness club, right? It's not what Peter's talking about here. And so I've, I've really taken that away from this letter that uh, living a holy life takes practice. And so here we are now in chapter 5. And Peter is wrapping up this letter. I imagine, you know, how supplies were probably 
in short demand, you know, like to get the parchment to write on and the ink probably took a lot to procure all that stuff. And so Peter's going, I've got limited space to write this letter. And what am I going to say? I've got to say the things that I need to say in a short amount of time and get this letter to them. And so in, in chapter five, then he, the last thing that he says to them is a real a bit of wisdom, I think. Starting in verse 7, he says, Cast all your anxiety on God because God cares for you. Discipline yourselves. Keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while... The God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself, God himself, will restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. This is the last thing that he says, right? So you know it's got to be important. He's writing it out. He's taking the time. This is how he's going to end his letter. Now, he talks about this devil that's prowling around, right? Now, I know for a lot of people, the devil uh, represents an entity that's really kind of warring against God and the saints. It's like this cosmic battle that's going on. For me, the devil represents something a little bit different. Uh, for me, it's that bit of myself that seeks to do the opposite of what God wants, right? You think of those cartoons with the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other. That, that's that part of me on this shoulder. When I'm afraid or when I am angry, or when I've been insulted, or when I'm suffering. We talked about that when I have a headache, I start lashing out at people. Right? That's that bit of myself, uh, that, that, that carnal, what Paul would say is the carnal self, that seeks self-preservation and self-gratification, especially at the expense of others. Right? If I can get something that I want and, it's, and it hurts somebody else, that's the devil. So Peter's command here makes a lot of sense. Discipline yourself, Jimmy, and keep alert because that devil part of you <laughs> seeks to take advantage of your situation. He says, resist the urges to sin. Remain steadfast in what you know to be true. Why? Because Genesis tells us we are made in the image of God. That means you bear the divine image. It's in the Bible, right? The divine image, that, that, that spark, that something of God that is in you, that's this side that's saying, don't listen to that side. It's not true. It leads to death. It's wrong. And so then the crux of this wisdom, I think, this, this nugget of truth that Peter gives us, he says, resist this devil then, knowing that all your brothers and sisters around the world, past, present, and future, are undergoing the same inner struggles and outer struggles that you are right now. The same temptations, the same trials, the same hardships. I am not alone in this, and neither are you. Thought about this verse. This verse has some meaning for me because I've got a really good friend. And this particular friend, his entire life has dealt with anxiety, like deep anxiety. And when he was a kid, he's, he's my age, and so, you know, some of the, the diagnoses that we have now and some of the medications didn't exist when we were kids, right? We knew that worry and anxiety was a deal, but we didn't have a good way to treat it. And so, as a kid, you know, his parents would just take him 
to counselor after counselor, but, but no amount of talking about it really seemed to relieve his problem. And then he said one day he came across this verse in 1 Peter, and he read, Know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And he would tell you today that that verse almost single-handedly saved his life, certainly saved his sanity. Because at that moment, as a kid, he realized, I'm not the only one that feels this way. I'm not the only one dealing with this, whatever it is, this feeling that I have of worry, of angst. And he said a sense of peace and calm immediately came over him. And he knew that he wasn't alone. Not only was God with him in, in his suffering, but God was with his brothers and sisters around the world who were dealing with the same thing. And I think this is great because this is a perfect lead-in to where we're going in our next series. Our next series is going to be called Better Together, based on the book of Ruth. And we're going to be talking about how we were made to be in community. Part of what it means to bear the image of God is that we are meant to do this thing together, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in community, in perfect community. This is what it means. We're made like we're made to navigate this faith journey together. It's the way God designed it. Paul, I think it's great because Paul says, you know, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we read that and we go, oh, we're each individual temples running around. The Holy Spirit dwells within us and we just kind of go around and write my body as a temple. How many times have you heard that? The problem is uh, we need a Texas translation because Paul really said, y'all are the body. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's a plural you in there. That's what he's talking about. Together, the Holy Spirit, just look around, these people in this place. The Holy Spirit dwells in us as one single community. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And together, together we are strengthened to live out our holy callings, our holy lives. The beginning of, our, of the week all the pastors get together. We all get together, Emily and Scott and Brandy, and uh, we talk about these scriptures. We're, we've got to come up with a sermon on these scriptures. And so we start kind of tearing them apart and say, well, what are you seeing in here? What, what kinds of things are you asking? What's popping up for you? And Scott Catchot had this great thing. He said, now, I didn't come up with this, but I think it's, it's relevant to what we're talking about. You know, he said, whether the, the devil is an entity or the, a way to talk about our carnal selves, it says that the devil prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. And Scott said, think about a flock of sheep and how lions hunt. You've watched nature shows before, right? Does a lion ever attack an entire herd or a flock? No. What do lions do? They wait for somebody to stray off. They wait for a lone sheep to go look for some grass over here or for one of the weak ones to get left behind and bam, that's the one we're going to get. It's like they all know. This is the one. The one that's been separated. And I think about how we have been called to this community, right? Grace Church. In this season of life, we're called to do this life thing together. Faith journey. And if we're committed to doing that, if we're committing to, 
staying in worship and, and, and finding a small group, maybe an Emmaus small group, or we have support groups, prayer groups, online groups where we're chatting and praying for one another. Well, for me, that keeps the devil in check. When I am in community with you all, that keeps me from acting crazy, right? That keeps that carnal self in check. But the minute that I begin to pull away and I say, well, uh, I, I don't disagree, I, I disagree with how somebody's thinking here, or I, I don't like this person, so I'm just going to start doing church at home. Or you, you hear people talk about how my faith is just a personal faith between me and Jesus. Like, I don't, I don't need anybody else. It's just me and Jesus. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Peter would say, those are the people that are vulnerable to attack. Those are the people that are left open to attack. We are called to do this thing together. Of course, Peter knew what community was like. He was one of the 12. If you've been watching The Chosen, you know Jesus assembled this small group of like misfits together, fishermen and zealots and tax collectors and, you know, just a hodgepodge of people. But they're in this, they're in this community together and Jesus is kind of walking them through and leading them and guiding them. And Peter well, God love him. Peter was one of those guys, you know, he had to learn through trial and error. He would speak up, but sometimes too quickly. Or he would step out of the boat, but then later he would sink, right? But Peter learned firsthand through his trial and error that community is essential to successful, holy living. And Peter also learned, God bless him, that in the midst of failure, God is faithful to restore. I think about the scene in the Gospel of John where Jesus is on the beach cooking some fish and Peter has just failed terribly, right? Denied the Lord three times, abandoned him when he needed him most. And when Peter realizes it's Jesus on the beach, it says he takes off his clothes and jumps in the water and swims to the beach. And Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? Simon, do you love me? You know I love you, Lord. See, Peter learned firsthand through his trial and error that God is faithful to restore, that God is the one when we mess up to pick us up, to dust us off, pat us on the butt and say, now get back out there. You ain't done yet. Your failures don't get you out of this thing that easy. Peter could say from experience, the God of all grace who has called you will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. And so I feel like this, this is the, the, the final bit that Peter is writing to these people and really to us. I don't think he had any idea that we would be reading this stuff 2,000 years later. But like this is the last thing he says. Hang on. Don't swerve to the left or right. I know things are tough, but just hang on. Don't give up loving one another. Don't forsake assembling together. It's important that you get together. And then he says, and in your darkest moment, when you feel most alone, when you think nobody is there, know that all your siblings around the whole world feel the same way you feel right now, that we are not alone. Now, here's one, one thing that Peter does not say in this letter. Okay? He doesn't say that if you do these things, if you hold fast to what you know is true, that your suffering will go away. 
He doesn't say that. Look at the letter. I mean, think about Peter's own death. Peter, tradition tells us he was crucified. Crucified on a cross in Rome because he chose to follow the way of Christ, which was just didn't work with Rome, right? And they get ready to crucify him, and he says, no, I'm not worthy to be upright like my Lord. Turn me upside down. So they put him on an upside-down cross and kill him. No, there's no guarantee that the suffering will go away. What it does tell us, that even in the midst of suffering and personal failure, you're surrounded by people who have also failed, people who are also suffering, and God will never, ever, ever give up on us. Which is why I'm glad this is called the people of the second chance, right? We know it to be true here. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves, and it's not just second chance, it's third chance and fourth chance and fifth chance and sixth and seventh. Wherever sin abounds, grace abounds more. So yeah, this letter was written 2,000 years ago, but I feel somewhat connected to Peter. I can't help it. I feel connected to this community that he's writing to. I can't help it because in a world right now in 2022 where we are increasingly polarized, we are increasingly irritated with one another, where we see violence erupting against one another in increasing ways in a, in a denomination, our beloved UMC, that insists on splitting up when we can't agree, well, I just don't like that, so I'm going to go somewhere else. This is the reality of what we're facing right now. In the midst of this whole situation, church and state, we have Peter's letter saying, hold it together, folks. Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what God has called you to? He's blessing you, and through you, He will bless the whole world. This letter couldn't be more timely. Couldn't be more relevant. He could have written it today. We are called holy and set apart by God. We are instructed to see ourselves the way God sees us as holy. We are urged to choose a different way to live. And that way consists of loving each other despite our differences, choosing to stay at the table despite our differences, and journeying the walk of faith together as one community. Right? This is how the world will know you are my disciples. It's not by the size of your building, the sleekness of your worship services, the fact that you have a bar in your church and nobody else does, right? That ain't it. Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples by the way that you love one another, despite your differences. Folks, may you be compelled to always choose grace. That's a pun on words. Choose grace, but choose grace, right? And may you find strength for the journey just when you need it most. Let's pray. God, we are grateful to be chosen and called by you. Sometimes we feel inadequate. Most of the time we feel inadequate. We feel like we're not up for the challenge. 
and yet you have called us anyway. And you say, not only that, I have strengthened you by my Holy Spirit. And that Spirit will remind you of all that Jesus has said so that you are never alone. Not only that, I am with all of my children all across the world. This church, the Baptist church down the road, the Catholic church up the hill, the Lutheran church over there, the church in Africa, the church in Germany, even though we are divided and in separate places, God looks at all of us. God, you say, you are my children. You are the ones that I want. The light of Christ into the world. So we ask that you give us grace and strength for that task. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, folks, I uh, hope this has been helpful for you. I have enjoyed First Peter. I hope you have too. Uh, just because we're finished with it doesn't mean you can't go back and read it from time to time. Refresh yourselves if you need a little reminder. But we are going to be moving into Ruth in the next uh, four weeks, and so I'm excited about that too. So with that, will you receive this blessing? And the grace, oh yeah, grab the hand of the person next to you. Thank you so much, Brian. Yep, thank you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved. You are completely forgiven and you are uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. As you do that, you're probably going to make a mistake because we all do. But I need you to know when you make that mistake, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you any more because amen, amen, God's love is not based on our performance. It is based on His amazing grace. And it is by grace that He says, Beloved, I know everything there is to know about you, and I still think you're the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what tomorrow would be like if you left here believing that? I think it would be a brand new start. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen.